Eheli. This is to be determined with Devin Cunningham, and that would be me. Hello, my faithful dozen. How are you doing? I hope all is well in your world uh, today, this fine day, whatever day you're listening to this. I hope all is well. I hope it's swell with your soul. Uh, we have a great episode for you today. Episode 20. We've made it. 20 episodes. It's so weird, and I sound so weird right now. I'm so sorry. I'm uh, a little congested. Anytime the seasons change, this guy gets sick without fail. And uh, now that we're leaving summer, going into the chillier times, which everyone else here, they love the winter. Well, they like it cooler. I could not be more opposite. I love the warmth. And I think it only... I get uncomfortable when I sweat. Of course, you know, I'm like any normal person. But but I hate being cold. I hate being cold. But what are you going to do? Can't do anything but just uh, take some NyQuil... Say your prayers and drink some water, chicken soup, go to bed, all that good stuff. Which is exactly what I'm going to do as soon as I'm done uh, editing this episode. (laughs) A few announcements. Uh, October the 21st, Master's Legacy Quartet will be in Eminence, Kentucky with uh, Pastor Senior down there. Uh, To keep track of all the dates, if you all would like to see if we're doing something during the weekend that's close to you and you would like to come and worship with us, you can just keep up with that uh, at our Facebook pages, uh, Master's Legacy uh, Quartet on Facebook. You can keep up on mine, Devin Cunningham, or you can go to masterslegacyquartet.com and get all the dates that we have booked uh, now into 2019. Also, uh, next week, I believe it's October the 18th and 19th, Mike Fleming, of course, is the owner and founder of Master's Legacy Quartet, and myself, we will be going down to, I think, Knoxville, around the Knoxville area in Tennessee, uh, to Chapel Valley Studios, where we will be getting the tracking, which is, let me, you know, for not everybody, you know, people who don't know what tracking is, it's where we lay the music down before we lay the voices. We're going to lay down the music to the songs that the quartet will be recording. We've got the songs picked out. We're all very happy about it. We're very excited. They've been prayerfully considered, and we believe this project is going to be a blessing. So just uh, pray for Brother Fleming and myself and all the musicians and all the great people down at Chapel Valley that we all can get uh, things done in the timely manner, timely manner that we need to. Oh, yeah, and October 29th. I know I've been stressing it for the last few episodes, but make sure you mark it down. October the 29th is the next concert at The Nest. We have Jeremy and Jamin Hart. You're going to love them. You need to look them up on Spotify right now or on iTunes. Buy the project. Uh, They have such smooth yet dynamic vocals, and they're good songwriters, and you're going to enjoy hearing them minister live, along with Master's Legacy and the Smith family. So make plans on being there. Doors open at 6 o'clock. 6.30 is when the concert starts, and it's only $10 at the door, so make sure that you make time there. To be there, that is. (laughs) My word. I do... One to share a 
quick thought with you real quick. And that's, uh, you know, I was looking through Proverbs, and in Proverbs 18 and 10, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. This came to mind, uh, kind of correlated. I uh, was working on a song today with a friend of mine, um, and I was running some lyrics by him. He comes up with the melody, and I uh, we put the lyrics to whatever the melody feels like to me. And I was just, we were running through some lyrics, but, uh, you know, the overall theme was forgetting how great his compassion is, his being God's compassion. You know, I got to tell you, I think a lot of the times we get so caught up and distracted with the circumstance or the situ situation that we forget about our resource. We forget about our well, our never-ending well of grace. Pe people, he he hear me now, hear me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That, you know, and it doesn't even, even if you're living your life under grace and, and you're doing everything you know to do, what about life's little frustrations? You feel behind or you feel bogged down or frustrated by this and that. Those are still times that you can call on your resource of joy and peace and hope. I just want to encourage somebody right now who may be hurting, who you've failed again today. There's a lyric, there's a song called Does Jesus Care? And one of the lyrics, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and quote it, so it's gonna, I'm going to paraphrase, but it talks about, does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist a temptation strong? And uh, it goes on to say, you know, and my, I, my heart is breaking and I've cried the whole night long. Well, the chorus says, oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with our grief. And if we, you would just reach out to him, if you would just call on the name of the Lord, turn away from everything that's holding you down and just put yourself in his hands, his name will become a tower of strength for you all over again. And you'll go, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> it's because we get distracted and we forget how great his compassion really is. His compassion for our weaknesses, for our, even our, what seems our mundane, everyday kind of frustrations. Now, he cares. He cares. He wants to be involved with us. He loves us. I don't know. It's just a thought. Okay, my guest today is Mark Yandris. I know, some of you are thinking, who? But... <laughs> Mark Yandris is a good friend of mine, and uh, I, I just, I'm so happy he was willing to sit down and talk with us today. He is a busy, busy man. He travels all over the country, uh, teaching in choir clinics, 
music conferences, recordings. Uh, he's pretty much the music minister at two churches, uh, one officially in uh, the Bay Area in California, and then one he, he helps that. He gives a tremendous amount of his time in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I just I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And I'm so glad, you know, I've already said this, but I am so glad that he was willing to share his heart and give us a little bit of backstory, uh, his testimony, and his opinions on, <laughs> on quite a few things that are going on in worship culture and gospel music today. So without further ado, here's my friend Mark Andrus. Buckle up, episode 20. Let's get to it. busiest man in gospel music. <laughs> Thanks for taking some time to sit down with me. But you just shared with me some incredible news. Where are you going to be uh, tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to the National Quartet. <laughs> that I is know. awesome. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> totally out of my genre, but you know, the Look Lord at you. Look at you just yeah. in saying, just like Steve wrote it, uh, <laughs> leave me Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Yeah, that's it. Um, so how did you get a connection for the Quartet Convention? Well, I met a, a man named Les Butler. I know who Les Butler is, yeah. He's, he's a producer in Nashville, and he heard some of my music and loves it. And even though he's a totally a, a Southern Gospel Quartet guy. Yeah, his dad. Uh, have you ever heard of the Florida Boys? Oh, yes. Yeah, so his dad was in the lead singer for the Florida Boys for years, years okay. and years. I believe that, yeah. But... Uh, you know, my dad listened to the Happy Goodmans and the Rambos and all that. So Southern Gospel is not that foreign to me. But um, I'm, you know, I'm more of a gospel guy, yeah. you know, choirs. And I came, my big influence was the Hawkins. But I think a lot of my music is um, is universal enough yes. where it can cross over to the other side. They just got to put a little twang to it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I think that, because I heard, I'll be honest, I heard about this from Karen Harding before... Uh, I'm going to get her. <laughs> before you got a chance to tell me. She might have to serve time at purgatory. She might have to. Uh, she, uh, we were so, I, I was so excited when she told me, because <laughs> I got to warn you a little bit, it's oh. changed since the Happy Goodman days. Yeah. The genre has. Okay. Well, the subgenre. Uh I think, but I think you're gonna. You think you're still gonna like it. There's a lot of groups like the Bowlings, mm -hmm. and the Tallies. Uh, what is it? Uh, Ain't No Bones. Uh, she said the Isaacs. The sure. Isaacs could do something like that. There's a group called I can't remember, but they sing a song called Ain't No Bones or uh, If You Can You Burn. And there's a lot of people that do church like pushing that church style Southern Gospel yeah. stuff that you could just fit right in the yeah. vein with that. So there's that's what I think is so great about Southern Gospel music mm -hmm. is that it is versatile. Everybody yeah. always thinks that it's a banjo and a mandolin <laughs> and somebody doing the honky-tonk style piano plan. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's some of that, but it's not all of that. Yeah. It's yeah, actually it's a little... Grass. No. Well, that's a totally different thing. 
so you've been on the road now for six years. Mm-hmm. Just hard travel. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> six years of hard travel. Now, can I, what did you do before the six years? Well, I served as full-time minister of music at the church that my dad founded. My dad founded and pastored a church for almost 50 years. Wow, where at? In California, in North Central. We were about an hour outside the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Bay Area. That has to be a beautiful, beautiful place to live. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was California is as crazy and wild as it is. <laughs> it's actually a very, very churchy place. Really? Yes, it is. We you know, we have churches that were founded right out right after Azusa Street. So we have yes. roots. Yes. And uh, you can grow a great church in California. But um, anyway I served about half that time for my father. And then uh, Brother Sam Emery took the church over. He came, he got saved under my dad in the seventies. <laughs> And wow. so he was my dad's assistant pastor, and I served under him for about six years, I think, after my dad passed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so then, now I've been on the road for about six years, so. You, uh, um, your first album, I want to talk about that, but what made you start traveling so much? Or like, why didn't, why didn't you do it before now? Like, why is it just within the past six years that everybody's been introduced or reintroduced to Mark Andrus? You know, it just wasn't my calling at the time. My calling was to be loyal and faithful to my home church. You know, God had a, an appointed time for me to, to launch out, you know. And uh, I was there. I stood by my father till, the, till his last breath. I took care of my mother for 10 years. Wow. She's, you know, she's in her right mind, but she was very frail the last 10 years. So I was determined, I, I made a vow to my dad that I wasn't going to leave her side. So after she passed on, uh, I felt the release of God. And about two or three months after she passed, I started waking up in the middle of the night with all these songs. I really wasn't much of a songwriter. I never really hardly wrote any song, maybe less than a handful. Are you and, kidding me? Yeah. And I just started, songs just started flowing and flowing and started writing and writing and then one day my brother came up to me and he goes I don't know why but the Holy Ghost is telling me that you need to record a CD that you've got songs I'm like your pastor said that my brother your brother yeah my brother's a minister and evangelist and I was like that had to be God because he did not know he's not musical I don't even go there with him Um, but so then I knew I felt the push of God that it was time to get songs out, you know. Wow. And God just put it together. It had, I mean, to be honest, Mark, I thought that you've just been a songwriter for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. If you'd listen, if anybody listening to this has heard of, heard your uh, debut album, what was it called? It was a... Uh, oh, song for God's House. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I completely get a, get, got a blank on that. But I love... You know, our God is an awesome God. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Waves of Glory, which I love, oh, Waves of Glory. And then you have, uh, oh, what's that? I love that song. It's a great Easter song. Thankful for the Blood. Thankful for the Blood. And uh, he, uh, what is it? He's alive. He ri- He rose. Uh, it's, oh, man. Oh, no, he rock, lives. Yeah, he lives. Yeah, he lives. I love he lives. That one gets me going in the morning all the time. Did you guys ever do that? No, we haven't. Now, we haven't done it yet. But in all fairness, it's hard 
to find time to introduce new material mm. at, our, at our church. It's, it's finding the time for practice. Yeah. But uh, I do love that song. We did a lot. We've done a lot of your Christmas album. Yeah. Yeah, that's a What's the name of that album? Tell the Christmas first. time. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Um, the, I listened through the whole thing. Of course, our friend Karen Harding tears up down from his glory. That was just a fantastic cut of that song. It was very churchy. It's like everybody always thinks of uh, kind of like that three tenors arrangement of uh, Oh Sole Mio, or uh, <laughs> they'll think of Hugh Rose yeah. singing Down yeah. From His Glory, but you really put a church feel into that. And Karen Harding's just fantastic vocal. She and you pushed her to her <laughs> max on that song. <laughs> I know, I told her to hit those notes. I said, I What did she to. say when you, when you said to hit those notes? She said, okay. She just said, okay. <laughs> she, she was very submissive, which is, you know... <laughs> Uh, never mind. She's a diva, but that's all I'm going to say. That's all you need to say. We love her. We love her. We're she so... went on a Christmas tour with me last Tell Christmas. me about that. How much fun was that? Oh, it was, it was over, the, over the top. Y'all went through, was it in Texas? It was through Texas, we right? We did Texas and Louisiana. This year we're doing Mississippi and Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. So always Louisiana's in the mix somewhere. Because yeah. nothing says Christmas like Louisiana. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a good place to be at Christmas time because it's usually pretty mild down there. You, know? you, uh, you, it was you, Karen, Tim, and there was somebody. Jason Davidson. Jason Davidson, mm -hmm. that's right. What a voice. Yes. That guy is a singer. Yes, he is. That is amazing. He is. And he does, he does a little bit of everything. He does. He's like a vocal chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> but at the, yeah, I mean, he's. He could do whatever you want him to do, really. And, you know, so can Tim. I know everybody thinks of him as when God's unfolds the rose guy, which he is. But Tim Spell, I've heard him sing every style uh, or put a gospel song to every style. He is unbelievable. And I love to hear him play. He is a fantastic he is. pianist. He's, yeah. And he's a classy man. And he's all around. He's... he's um well-rounded yes. as a musician. He can play whatever. And I think that he he uh, he doesn't have a degree in music from any Bible school or any university. He just did it. Mm -hmm. He went out there. He learned it. He picked it up. He's But it's, he's so naturally gifted in a totally. lot of those ways. Yeah. Now, you've created quite a relationship with him and his son, and you help out or have helped out so much at the church in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. How are you doing that? You know, first, explain your schedule to the listeners about the back and forth that you perform with that church. <laughs> well, I, I, I go there about once a month on average, I think. Sometimes twice a month. Every once in a while I squeeze it. I actually haven't been there since June, but uh, I've known Tim from way back. Yeah. He used to come about once a month to my dad's home church in Southern California. Really? Yeah, which was one of the premier churches back in the 80s, 90s. Um, I didn't and, know you all went back that far. Wow. Yeah, he, used to, he used to come, and uh, he built a great choir in my dad's home church. The pastor's name was uh, Lee Davis, and that church ran probably close to 1,000. They were revival churches. 
So we've known each other. He's opened a lot of doors for me. He's been a true friend to me. And when he needed my help, I said, I'm coming. And I've mentored and trained his, his uh, grandson, Noah. Yeah, I've heard some videos. He's a good organist. Oh, man. He, he's a bass player extraordinaire. Guitarist. He plays drums. He can do everything. He's taking jazz lessons. He's going to be very well-rounded. He's, he's just a natural. It's just in his DNA. He can't help himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I flow very good with them. We're, we're like family. And uh, when I go there, it just feels natural, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That's great. And, you know, I think that anybody who is caught, kept up with, uh, you know, there was a huge flood in Louisiana mm -hmm. uh, last year. Tim lost his house, or yeah. almost lost his house. I was there when the flood happened. I know, and that's why I wanted to get your take on it, because I don't think a lot of people realized how bad it was. It was devastating yeah. to that whole area. Yeah. And uh, the church was, was the church completely submerged, or just like... 6.5 feet of water. Oh, well, that's... If it hit 7, <laughs> they had to tear it down by law. So it just, just made, made it. the grade. It and, was unbelievable. You know what else was unbelievable? Was watching the entire congregation and so many people from around the country come to help rebuild that church. Yeah, yeah even from uh, places like Brazil and the King Biala. Brazil, Indiana? No. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil, uh, there was a, uh, a group that came from Europe. Really? Yeah, yeah, they came. And they they rebuilt that church in 105 days. Yeah, it was two million dollars worth of damage, and they had no insur no insurance because after Katrina, no insurance company would would um, would offer any flood insurance no. unless you want to pay ten thousand a month. No, sure nobody can do that. Yeah. Who can do that? Yeah, that so. is unbelievable. I want to. Uh, has uh, you've, uh, you 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 go everywhere anywhere that the doors open? Obviously, we've talked about the quartet convention, but I I think it's amazing how your music has gone not just within your home fellowship of United Pentecostal Church, but I know like Tim, you fellowship with uh, with uh, WPF and ALJLC. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, I think, you know, not that you're there, but your music's there. And I think that says a lot about you as a songwriter, that uh, I think some fellowships are more conservative than others or more liberal than others, but your music is still there and still uh, has a presence. Mm -hmm. Now, what would you say to those who are feeling the call to write a song or have written songs? I know this is kind of a vague question. But I know for you, you kind of woke up in the night with songs on your heart. <laughs> but to get started, did you find, did you look for any reference? Did you try and find any kind of study material? I don't know. Anything. Who, okay, let's do this. <laughs> Who were your songwriting heroes? Well, I mean, for me, I didn't really try to copy a style per se. Yeah, okay. I just wrote what flowed out of my spirit. Yeah. 
you know, I didn't really go to any songwriting classes or anything. It was just a God thing. Um, and I'm not trying to super spiritualize it, but that's just how it went. No. But, um, I mean, we all grain from our influences that we grew up around. Who were your influences? Well, I grew up on the West Coast, so yeah, our influences were Andre Crouch. Uh-huh. He was in California, uh, the Hawkins family. California and uh, James Cleveland from way back in the go- old gospel days. He had a church in California. So we grew up around that in- that whole environment. And then uh, a convention came up together called NorCal. And that was a, a big influence. Um, but the, um, the gospel music that came out of the West Coast touched the entire world. Yeah. Andres Crouch. Andre Crouch's music. Please I, talk about Andre Crouch, please. If I go to Europe, I have friends that have done workshops in Japan. You know what they ask for? They ask for Oh Happy Day, uh, Edwin Hawkins. They yeah. ask for This Little Light of Mine, James Cleveland. Uh-huh. And they ask for uh, a Hawk, uh, They ask for Andre Crouch's song. Yeah. So somehow, even in the Southern Gospel music world, they have mad respect for Andre Crouch. And I think that's what we have to do is we have to have a global mindset with our music and learn how to get into all streams. Yeah. So that's what I've tried to do. Um, And you've done an incredible job with it. Now, who, is it just you or do you have a team that you, that helps, that works with you, that helps promote and get your stuff out to so many people? Well, I, I have um, a manager. Uh, her name is Miss Terry Gold from St. Louis, Missouri. And she strictly does uh, radio promotions for me. Uh-huh. She does ads and things like that. I mean, it doesn't go in. She doesn't do my bookings. Right. Um, you know, I don't. She, she's tried to push me into a bigger stage. <laughs> but my comfort levels really hasn't been there, you know. Yeah. So, um she's been very very helpful uh, I have a producer mm-hmm. Mr. Tommy Brown is fantastic he actually used to play the bass guitar for uh, Whitney Houston wow yeah he's great and my co-producer is in California lives in LA and he helps me with a little bit with arrangement I have to handcuff him because he's so <laughs> fabulous that like, nobody's ever going to be able to play this <laughs> Tone it down. Yeah. This he, he's not trying to show out. He's just naturally, you know. He's trying to make it sound as best as he can. Okay, so let's talk about this. This goes into, this rabbit trails into something else. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've caught on here, but I love rabbit trailing. Yeah. Uh, music for churches that are written nowadays. So let's let's use your uh, your debut CD as an example. Now, I don't want you to take this as you're probably going to be offended just because. But I would say it's, I'm not going to say it's simple in like a negative sense, but it's simple so that I feel people can learn it and play it and incorporate mm-hmm. it and still be true to that genre of music that you're trying to promote, which is, of course, gospel music. So do you th- did you do that on purpose to try and, did you, did you hone yourself back when you were arranging these songs to try and make them, simple enough that people could learn them? Or how was your creative process when you were writing these things? Yeah, I did, because I wrote 
with the church in mind. And, you know, as uh, a person that's been a minister of music and uh, choir conductor and I've done workshops all over, you know, I've seen people going and do workshops and they, they came with such complicated material that they were good to get through two or three songs and they were trying to force these people that had, didn't have a lot of musical knowledge yeah. to do it just like you know, the recording or whatever. Yeah. And they, they were, they shut them down. And I said, you know what? We need some songs that are just simple to have a, but have a powerful message. A rule, you know, if I'm, you're way more experienced than I am. I, I just, when I was given opportunity to teach and to have songs to bring to people in small groups and stuff like that, one of the rules I made to myself is simple done well is going to be far better than difficult attempted. <laughs> I just, yeah. well, because I want the church. That's a better way to put it, really. Right. I want the church to be able to immediately absorb what we're doing because they're not in awe so much of how we're doing it. Because I think if how you're communicating distracts from what you're singing about, mm-hmm. I think we've missed the mark. Yeah. And we've kind of lost our job there. I love what you said you wrote with the church in mind. Do you think, because let's, if we look at songs that are out on the radio nowadays, uh, on gospel music or contemporary, or you'll find out Southern gospel here in uh, a few hours. Uh, do you think songs are being written for the church in mind? I think some are. You know, I honestly, I don't, I'm going to step out and boldly say, <laughs> go ahead. You follow. I'm probably stepping on a uh, something here that I probably shouldn't get into, but I think a lot of the contemporary music, um, the Hill song, they've written some great songs, but I don't think they're writing for apostolic. They're not writing for apostolic churches. Okay. They're writing for their churches. Right. And I think, sadly, we've become the tail and not the head. I mean, really, who comes to us for music? Not anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm writing for the spirit-filled Pentecostal church in mind. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's some artists that God's given them a different um, thing to do. Maybe their music is just to encourage and be listened to, you know, um, to be played in the car, whatever. And in a, when you make a full CD, you can put a variety on there. You know, I let my musicians do an Christmas instrumental. I said, get it all out of your yeah, system. Yeah, and it was great. I thought it was fantastic. I'll listen to it. It's oh, on my play- Christmas yeah. playlist. It's very complicated. But um, so anyway, but, but for me, that's, I'm just a church guy, you know. And church is what I do. Mm-hmm. So I have to come with, with that kind of music. <laughs> I think it's, I think you're right in that, there is a lot more that's going that's going on in the selection of our music and for our churches. We're looking at Evelation, uh, not Evelation, Elevation Worship mm-hmm. and Hillsong and um, Jesus Culture, stuff like that. I think it's it has created a tone shift in our worship. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there are some groups out there that are doing something different but it still has kind of a church feel to it. 
My prime example is People in Songs. Have you heard of People in Songs? Uh, they did the song, uh, uh, Victory has a name, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's Jesus. Yeah, that's cool. uh, of course, that was co-written by Charity Gale, who mm -hmm. led worship uh, Tuesday night at the General Conference. Now, let's look at some of the young songwriters that are going on. Let's use her as an example. Mm -hmm. So the song that she opened with for the Praise and Worship set, Cleansed. Mm -hmm. The chorus um, talks about being spirit-filled and being baptized in his name. Mm -hmm. That's a song that has, it's not necessarily gospel, but it's written with the church in mind. Mm -hmm. it, like, But she goes from that, this brand spanking new song, into Power in the Blood mm -hmm. and uh, Look What the Lord Has Done. That's, some, that's a prime example of what I said a few minutes ago of somebody who has an appreciation for the older songs. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that a few minutes ago. We, this is what I said before the interview started. <laughs> I think, and I'll say it now. I think it's important that we not only keep introducing new material. We've got to introduce new material. We've got to keep writing our material. We've got to try our best to appreciate our songwriters and bring them forward. Mm -hmm. Take the time and have the patience as music directors to teach this material, which may not have a full, fully produced demo with it. But all it has is piano and parts, but it's an original material written by a spirit-filled person. We've got to take the time to appreciate the new music, but as well as keep incorporating the hymns into not just our choir music, not just our special small groups, but also our worship set. I th there's a multi-generational flock that we're trying to minister to every Sunday, and I think it's not happening. Um, you're out there far more at all the other churches. What is your take? What are you seeing when you're, when you're out on the road? Well, are you talking about like we're, okay? Let's praise and worship? let's talk about praise and worship. Okay. Um, honestly, another now we're stepping into another. Well, let's just step in it. We're already okay. there. <laughs> I think we're doing congregational worship wrong. Okay. And, I, and the reason why, I mean, I'm just set, and I've been in a silent observer, and I don't see congregations singing anymore. I just see them just watching a praise team perform. Okay, okay. And I'm not against new songs at all, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm really for new songs being sung every Sunday, but not for a congregation. It's, so I, you're I, saying save that stuff for like the choir or the small groups and that kind of stuff? I would say there's a way to present it. I mean, once in a while you can stick a new one in there. Um, but one of the main questions I get asked by a lot of worship leaders is the congregation's not getting with us. They're not singing. They're just staring at us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling them that you're sticking so many new songs on them for, I'm talking about congregational. You're, you're throwing all these new songs, new, 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 and they're not getting in their soul. They're not becoming a part of their lives. You know, um, the old church sung out of a hymn book that had 300 songs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's 15,000 songs in the database since Maranatha music started in the 70s. Whew. And we're cycling these songs out so quick. And those old hymns 
I'm not saying we only have to sing those. I'm not even saying we have to sing out of a hymn book or anything like that. But we, we buried our loved ones with those songs. We lived and walked through trials with those songs. It becomes such a part of our lives. And the congregation felt comfortable singing the songs they knew. Yeah. You know, and so now we just, I think it's, it's more about singing the latest and the greatest and, you know, being up to date. And they don't, we're, we're cycling songs out so quick um, that we were not finding the heart of the people. You know, so my thing is, is let's let's do new songs, but let's find out what song has has that spark for your church, right? Not what everybody else is singing. Mm-hmm. You know, find songs that work. You know, my in my home church, I remember that we came. There was a song that came out. Uh, the presence of the Lord is here. Yeah, Byron Cage. Uh, yes, man. I'm telling you, we must have sung that song for about two years straight every <laughs> Sunday. And the church would go bananas. And the praise team would say, now, Mark, I know we're not singing that song again. Uh, we're not doing that again this Sunday. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, we are. That's right. we're here to serve. That's right. And if you come to my restaurant and you want liver and onions <laughs> and you're paying the bill, then you're going to get liver and onions. Little. And I'm not going to roll my eyes at you and get an attitude. Because yeah, yeah. I'm here to serve. Right. It's you know? not to serve their creative need. That's it. Yeah. Because so. that's what the people want. Yeah, it's what's blessing them. Yes. It's what's blessing them. When, when the people open up and sing and start giving their heart away to the Lord, something breaks. We've lost the power of great congregational singing. Our congregations used to sing in harmony. Wow. You, you just don't hear that now. No. no. And my, my mother grew up Baptist. My grandfather was a deacon in the Baptist church. And she said they used to have red back hymnal singing nights. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, they, they had a smarter way of doing it. I thought about it. I was born, because, for the record, I was born in the wrong generation. I okay. Was, yeah. I'm an old soul. I, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> and they had nights where the whole congregation would come and learn hymnals. Yeah. Hymns, and when on, by the time Sunday came around, they were everybody ready. knew the songs. They, they felt comfortable. They could worship yes. and just without concentrating so hard on what's this song, That's what's it. the next thing coming. Yeah. You're just throwing a bunch of words at them. You worked on it for, for a month. Right. Two weeks. Right. And then you put it on there. You wanted to get it in five minutes. Right. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's you know? not. So that's my take on it. Oh, well, it's a great take. And I'm glad you were willing to share. Um... Let's take a break from my guest and check in to see how was Bryson's day. Bryson! Devin. I have a question. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I lost my question. I lost it. Think of another one. I can't. You're worthless. <laughs> Thanks, man, for the pick-me-up. That's what I'm here for. So how's Randy? Randy is doing... Your trainer slash boss. (laughs) Randy is doing just swell. Just nice. Uh, Has he even gotten you near a vacuum cleaner yet? Yeah. I have done loads with this vacuum cleaner. You have swept so many floors. I have swept the same floor like a hundred times. Well, 
I mean, like, does it need it, or is it just... I mean, it has the redundancy has to be getting to you. It is. It is getting to me, but... Uh, I can see it. I can see it. There's huge bags under your eyes. Well, that has to do with my enormous lack of sleep and what? incredible stress levels. <laughs> is it stressful at, at your job? No, it's not stressful at all at my job. So and where's want, the stress coming from? Uh, a lack of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, oh gosh, I have nothing to do or worry about. I have nothing that I'm supposed to be doing at this job, and he keeps going. So oh, at the job? I thought you meant life. Oh. <laughs> so, like, this has been months, and you're still just waiting for some direction. But you show up every day and sweep the same floor for eight hours. Pretty much. We do. Uh, he got you, man. They got you. You're actually the janitor there. Nobody told you. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here assembling and re- like breaking apart the same vacuum. Uh. And this is like, it's not just a vacuum. It does like 30 different things. And it can be functioning as like 30 different things. And so we go through the script Wait. and talk about each thing it does. Wait, this thing, the one of the things it does is a vacuum cleaner. Yes. Name one other thing that it does besides being a vacuum cleaner. Paint sprayer. I know everybody right now who's been listening to these realizes what we've been doing. We've been building this up so that you can call in right now. <laughs> And get your vacuum slash paint spraying and power washer. Oh, yeah. Does it power wash? I'm pretty sure it does power wash. Is it also a gun? A foam gun for shampooing your car, yeah. Oh. This thing's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And if you call right now. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculousness. Who, Who made this? Is this made in America? 100% 100% American made. I don't believe you. <laughs> Alright, enough of that. Let's get back to my guest. Because it was something I know we've talked about plenty, and I, I just, I appreciated your take on it. Speaking of appreciation, um, who in your life have been encouragers to you like there's people in your life that if it wasn't for that person and that word that they gave me at a certain time you don't have to say what they did you don't have to tell me what they said exactly or maybe the person came by with an, a, a conviction you know at the time a rebuke but a, you know the kind that was in the right place at the right time that juju just those people that took the time for you who are those people for you in your life oh man well i not to oversimplify, but I would say my parents. No, that's fine. You know, my yeah. mother, my grandmother was very musical. She played the piano. She could play the piano and the harmonica at the same time. She played fiddle, violin. She gave lessons. She played for several churches, um, but it skipped a generation. My mother wasn't interested in music, um, but my mother had an appreciation. And my mother, 
saw something in me. And I had the talent, she had the discipline. (laughs) And it was a perfect marriage because I didn't want to practice. Yeah. I didn't want to go to lessons. Yeah. But she said, But thank God. And I see parents today, I'm thinking, man, you need to make that kid. I mean, kids don't want to wash up with soap. They don't want to take a bath. They don't want to do their homework. You make them do that. But what about the gifts that are within them? That's right. Why don't you make push them? They're going to thank you when they get in their That's 20s right. like, they, like I did. You know, so, but there were people, um, God's always going to have people in your life that earmark, you know, certain landmarks that encourage and, you you know, become an influence. And I, I was um, fortunate to be, to come up in a very musical area. Yeah. You know, I was close to Stockton CLC. Oh, man. I was going to ask about, (laughs) what was that like, watching that incredible music department just blow up? Like in the, it was from the late 80s all the way through the early 90s, especially under Glenn Woodward. Mm -hmm. That was just, I've listened back to those recordings. And what I loved about Glenn's work there is he put the gospel music up front, but he also did a variety all through, and especially on the youth choir recordings for CLC. He made those kids do everything. Yeah. I actually did several workshops for them in their, in their really? beginning stage. Yeah. I taught them several songs that they ended up recording. What Can you uh, share what some of those songs? Do you remember? Uh, there is no greater love. Oh, yes. We did that. You don't we, know like we did I that. Know. We did uh, No Greater Love right last Easter. Jesus. Yeah. You t- I introduced that song to them. And, um, Which Cher McKee and her choir has brought back yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, they put a little different, just a little tiny little different twist. Um, so, yeah, back in back then, um, they were a big influence. I mean, it's, it's, it's good for kids to go and have their five senses entertained. You know, it's good. They need to be around something greater. Yeah. They need to see it taste it, feel it, greatness. And then I grew up going to like some of the Love Alive. What is that? Explain what that Um, is. Love Alive was a Hawkins. Yeah. Recorded uh, going up yonder and um, uh, don't wait till the battle's over. Are you saying that you were there when they initially recorded going up yonder? No, because that was earlier on. Yeah, I was about to say. But I, I went to Love Alive three, four, and five. Okay. Okay. I didn't get to make it to Love Life 1 and 2 because I was too young. But um, Did you get to meet Walter? Oh, yeah. Really? I, yeah. I went to a lot of their choir rehearsals and stuff like that. So I took lessons from their, their brother, Daniel, that played and traveled with them for years. And they were such a huge influence. Edwin came out with Oh Happy Day in 1969 yeah. and sold 9 million copies <sighs> and opened up for the Beatles, Rolling Stones. They performed that at Woodstock. They performed Oh Happy Day at Woodstock? At Woodstock. I never had heard that before. Yes. So they were wow. major influencers. So, and I was lucky enough to live uh, near... You got to be close to that. Yeah. Wow. So... One of my favorite songs of Walter's is his arrangement of Until I Found the Lord. Oh, yeah. Just that... Bah, 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 yeah. Bah. You yeah. know, all I've heard James until Brown Fong. oh, that's <laughs> completely what it is. It it revolutionized how I could view an old song 
because the arrangement was so different. I'd never heard anything like that before. Yeah. To take a song like that, because I've always heard it. Uh, I prayed and I prayed. I prayed all night. Just that real low. It's slow. It's blues. It's kind of a sad song. But they just was like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And that choir. Oh man. And Walter's voice was. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that real high tenor voice. It's yeah. Like those super. He he was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but. Man, what were we talking about before we got to this? I don't remember. Influences. That's right, we did. No, encouragers. You were talking about encouragers, and yeah. you talked about your mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had the discipline, and you had the talent. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I hope a lot. any parents listening to this really take that to heart. And uh, you, don't want, you don't want the regret of, oh, if I'd have only pushed a little harder for my son. Because hide it under a bush, oh no. Let it shine. And they have gifts, but they need somebody to help them hone that. Mm-hmm. Did you have, uh, I know we talked about encouragers. Did you have any mentors growing up? Kind of helped you, guided you? Uh, I would say, I'm trying to think here. I know, I put you on the yeah. spot. That's on me. I had, uh, I had a few. I had a guy named uh, Clarence Eagleton from Oakland, California. I know that name, yeah. He's a great songwriter. Baptist guy. Uh-huh. We used to have fights and debate <laughs> doctrine, hang up on each other, but we'd be friends the next day. It was the funniest thing. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So um, he was he was very, very helpful. A lot of it good advice and stuff. Do you think that there is a decent appreciation for music ministry, uh, music evangelism in our movement today? I think it's getting better. I think um, you talk about United Pentecostal Church. Yeah, or, okay. or any Pentecostal fellowship. Yeah, I mean, most of our groups are really um, centered around um, the ministry. Right. It's a ministerial fellowship. Right. And I think slowly... They're seeing how important the music ministry is. You know, I think sometimes we have to live in the shadows of those who fell by the wayside, and really, yeah. it's 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 an un, it's, it's unfair. Yeah, because your health, your health, yeah. But you know, in all streams of ministry, there's there's been fallen soldiers, right? You know, so but in in fairness, ours is our our ministry is very public. It's always up front. It's always right there. So when there is a falling, it's pretty available to, for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the standard has been so high. Yeah. Or why they're, maybe why they've been hesitant. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's going in the right direction. I think Brother Jeremy Hoffman is, uh, paving a new way for us. Yeah. How so? I think he's, well, they've created a music division. Yes, yes, know, they have. They yeah. did a recording. Um, they recorded a couple of your songs, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They, yes. It was That's a pretty good exciting. recording, yeah. Two or three, uh, was it three years ago? Yeah. Nashville. So, um, I think he's trying to create um, a camaraderie, you know, because sometimes we've just been kind of out there on our own trying to, 
when we don't have anybody to speak up for us, you know, and we can, yeah, the powers to be can make us or break us. Yeah, like, like that, that, you know. Yeah. So it's given us a little bit more of a voice, and I think the ministry's taking notice that music is it's really the bait on the fishing pole. Yeah. Honestly, the word is not what's a lot of is. It's not a lot of what's drawing people to our churches. Right. It's music. But the word keeps. Right. If, if you have just great music, then you have a, a flimsy ministry. But if you put those two together, it's going to be perfect marriage. Right, right. It's just making that happen, you know. My grandfather, who uh, Don Cunningham, he led worship in, at Calvary Tabernacle for mm. years and years and directed the choir, did all sorts of stuff. But I asked him, I said, what is, what is leading worship to you? And he said, well, the only, he grew up on a farm. In Paragool, Arkansas, which is where Lindell's from. Yeah. So he said, uh, the only way I know to describe it to you is it's all the music in the service is just churning up hard ground that's been, it's the heart. It's just churning up the ground or the heart that's just been hardened through the week yes. and circumstances, and it makes way for the planting of the word. So, and I think it's... Um, I think it's important that we realize our role. It's not, now, we've both been in services where the right song's done the trick and the song, the lyric, brought the word forward and did the work. We've seen people uh, filled, with holy, filled with the Holy Ghost while people are singing a song before the word was brought forth. I'm just saying that initially, though, I, I think that's what a lot of pastors or ministers are concerned with is that we're thinking we're above the preaching of the word. And I don't think that a lot of the music ministers going out today have that in mind. I mean, no, I, think so no, I think that we all know where we lie. We're here to exhort. We're here to extol the name of the Lord and make way for the preaching of the word. Um, I like that, um, the direction that we're heading. Because, I mean, let's look at the people who are traveling nowadays. Mm -hmm. I think off the top of my head we have Jason Davidson. Is he full-time traveling? Jason Davidson? Yeah. No, he's, um, he's mostly a solo artist, but he travels out. Yeah. Well, okay, let's look at soloists and all that he, stuff. Yeah. So he travels out. We have Stan Cook travels all the time. We have the Chandlers travel all the time. Uh, the Wilbanks travel all the time. Uh, you're traveling all the time, but you still have ministerial responsibilities at home and then in Baton Rouge and choir clinics wherever. Karen Harding travels all the time. Uh, I'll travel every now and then. But you have those folks. Uh, you have Tim travels all the yeah. time. Yeah. He is somewhere every weekend all or Wednesday time. night. Uh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, <laughs> and he got him down. Uh, and I think that it's we just don't realize how many people are doing it. Let's do uh, some quick answer, kind of Coke or Pepsi kind of things, or stating your uh, current mindset on a few topics. Okay. Okay. So I want to know. 
This is kind of, I know I'm throwing this at you. Yeah. <laughs> Your face. Where is it going now? <laughs> what is your favorite praise and worship song right now? Oh my goodness. I, but here's the thing. You've already cycled through so many songs. What's the one that you've gone through the most? It's like it keeps coming to the forefront of your mind. Um, Even if it's yours, that's fine. Like really current? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I am I'm actually doing experimenting with some of my praise and worship songs really yes because i'm going to come out with a cd called simple worship and where i'm trying to bridge the gap between the real modern contemporary and the pentecostal sound and retain that i like that apostolic worship i like that so i've been doing some of those and some of them have really been working well so i don't want to say the names yet (laughs) um no you're fine uh that sounds exciting I'm excited about that. So we'll look forward to that. Now, were you ho- were you going to try and do something this year, recording wise? I I we I tried to come out with a single, and just time wise, it didn't work out okay. with my producer. They had things going on in their lives, personal lives and stuff. But next year, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're all looking forward to that. Thank Tell you. me. So that kind of answers my second question about what's your. What is your personal favorite song that you've recently written or brought forth? Uh, which was, um, I guess, okay, well, I'll switch it up a little bit. What is your personal favorite song off of your uh, first album? Off my first album? Yeah. I know it's like, who's you your favorite what? kid? <laughs> I'd probably say... Thankful for the blood. I love that song. That song, it, it takes on Calvary. It, it, you get a vision of the cross, and it seems to have really touched a nerve with people. Something happens when I do that song that it doesn't do when I do other songs. Um, I've re- recently been doing a song called Willing Vessel um, that is a consecration song that is really doing well for me. I've been teaching it everywhere. So um, Where can people find that? Well, we, I haven't put it out yet. Oh. Yeah. You don't even have uh, lead sheets to it available anywhere? <laughs> uh, what is your favorite off of your Christmas album? Oh, boy. Hmm. Is it White Christmas? White Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> No, we didn't do too much of the secular side on this Christmas. Um, I did a song called Tis the Season. Yes. And yes. Uh, I really, I just like the beat. And <laughs> it's a fun song. Yeah. And that was uh, Edwin Hawkins' nephew that led that for me. Really? Lawrence Matthews. Yeah, great. Just had the perfect smooth voice. Um, I like a song in there called Glory to the Newborn King. Uh-huh. It has a really bluesy, we- jazzy feel. The girl um, that sings with travels with Kirk Hart from time led it for me. Her name is Michelle Prager. Okay. And so, you, yeah, you've had you've had some pros sing on your projects. Yeah, the Lord. You know what it is? It's it's not really who I knew. It's it's people that well that I knew, but they knew those people. You know. It's, That's awesome. Uh, what is? I, I know this is kind of a. And we'll edit this if it takes you some time, because I want to get this. As a minister, 
somebody who travels around, teaches choir clinics, leads worship, you've had to have some moments that were um, some, we all have moments where people will come up to us and tell us what our songs or that song we led meant to them or something like that. If you could go in your mind, maybe it's recent, maybe it's a while back, what is the best testimonial that you can think of of somebody coming up to you and just expressing their uh, appreciation for that song that you've either written, recorded, or led in a worship service? Oh, man, I've had so much of that. And I thank the Lord for it because it really makes your ministry worthwhile. Yeah. You know, when you're actually saving lives, you know, from people just, you know, when people come to you and say, I was on the edge of giving up. I, there was something, that song just did something for me. Um, I did one song called, It's the Lord That Causes Me to Triumph. Um, just songs that, in, that, that ministered and deposited in the lives of people. They came up and said, man, your music just has, has helped me through some really, really stormy times in my life, divorces, you know, kids going crazy and stuff like that. So, um, and just seeing the atmosphere change, you know, when you're ministering songs, people crying out to the Lord and, you know, God moving and stuff, it makes things so worth it. Who is your favorite preacher right now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Man. I like to get music ministers' takes on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we always have our favorite singers and favorite everything up at our front of our brains. But who's your favorite preacher right now? I don't know if I have one favorite preacher. Um, well, I'm in Baton Rouge a lot with Tony Spells. No, you're fine. And, um, I mean, he is, he's controversial, but... That is to say the least. <laughs> but you know what? I he preaches from his heart. He is a the man is a preacher extraordinaire. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, sometimes you know he's, he's old school. And yeah, his preaching is revol is is revolutionary. And really, in my opinion, that's what the young people need today. They they need a radical word. Because we're in radical times. Yeah. Uh, I think Brother Cunningham. Um, Who's, uh, I think he's preaching Wednesday night. Yeah. 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 I love his delivery. So those are the, some of the ones that are in the forefront of my mind right now. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I think, I just, I love hearing music ministers talk about their appreciation for preachers mm -hmm. and vice versa. Uh, so we'll go back into our home our home here on our last 10 minute ride here who's your favorite singer who is your favorite singer oh man it's it's hard to narrow it down to a favorite I know because I like so many flavors you know okay so <laughs> let's let's try and let's try and make it easy on you within the genre of gospel music we'll make it your your home base here who's your favorite singer okay who's your favorite female singer <laughs> Probably, I would say maybe like Karen Clark 
from oh, the Clark sisters. Yeah, she's unbelievable. Yeah, I love the Clark sisters. They all, all of them. One of the things uh, that I've noticed, I don't, I, I'll admit it. I watched the Aretha Franklin funeral. <laughs> Let, okay, can I get your take on that, real quick? What was your take on the Aretha funeral? What did you think of that? Well, to be honest with you, I want to be I honest. I don't think any of the singers were really at their best. Really? I, I don't think so. I, I, and they, most, uh, some of them did really good. Yeah. Um, I think the girl that sung Amazing Grace, Jennifer Hudson. Yes. She was great. She did a good job. Yeah. Um, I think Marvin Sapp did really well. Yes, I think he did. He well did well. good. Um, I think it just, you know, anybody would be a ball of nerves, even if you're at the top of your, yeah. your game. And, you know, you have the world watching you. And, Point in case, Faith Hill. <laughs> um, I don't think she was at her best. No, that's what I'm saying, ball of nerves kind yeah. of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. But um, the Clark sisters came out, and they sang. Yes. And I felt so bad. It was It's Twinkie, right? Twinkie, the mm. one who plays. Yeah. And her her mic, mic wasn't, yeah. it was only in the house. We couldn't hear it on the, on the stream. We couldn't, you know, we got it later. But yeah. I could hear it in the house, but they didn't have it going through where we could hear it very yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. But they did so good. And you're right. They Even they weren't singing at their best. You tell there were some vocal issues there. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give the Clark sisters their due. And I know it doesn't mean anything coming from me. But what control they have. Yeah. Well, even at their, on their worst day. Yeah. Just <laughs> fantastic, you know. Now, did you watch the, uh, now, we're, well, now we're way off. Mm-hmm. But did you watch the Crouch, the Andre Crouch funeral? Yeah, I was well, the actually, concert, yeah. I was in the L.A. area when his funeral was going on, and I had a friend that was there, and wow. I was going to go, but I was an hour away, but in L.A., that could have taken me five hours to get there with traffic. Really? And he said, Mark, don't even try to come. They're lined up around blocks and the traffic and everything. Just But did I, you get to watch it all? But I got to watch a lot of it, yeah. yeah. What did you think of... Israel Houghton's version of, acoustic version of Through It All. Was that at the funeral? Yeah. Oh, man, we're going back about three years ago. I know. But that's so that's something singing. that it stuck out to me. I, I, I liked the arrangement. Well, why are you going to do something new on a classic like that at the man's funeral? Wouldn't you want to pay homage to the way he wrote it? I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a tad off there. Uh, but I know the well, Clark sisters sing there as well. Okay, yeah. And, and you know, if the Clark sisters sing an Andrew Crouch song, it's still going to come out like the Clark sisters Yeah, okay. So their... you're saying if on, if Israel's going to sing an Andre Crouch song, he's going to sing it? Probably, you know, I guess. But um... My favorite song of the whole night, if I'm honest, is the last one. They closed with Let the Church Say Amen. Mm-hmm. Marvin Wyden's got up there, and he just was awesome. Oh, yeah. He was yes. incredible. Yes, he was perfect voice for that. Okay, so let's let's get back to it. Your favorite male singer in gospel music. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I know his voice is probably a shell of what it was, but because of his throat condition. Yeah. But I would say Donnie McClurkin. He has a throat condition? I yeah. didn't know that. I think he has... I think, don't quote me on this, but I think he has throat cancer. Oh, no. Yeah. So he's been... That is so sad. Some serious health bouts. What I a voice. At, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, I thought Walter Hawkins' tenor voice was second oh, to none. second to none. There was something when he hit that high E-flat note. It yes. just, like, pierced your heart. It was, just like a, it was like an inoculation, you know? And his endurance was insane. He could sing that note all night and never had a problem. Um, I'll tell you what. I was going to take you through all of the subgenres of gospel music and make you tell me who their favorite singers were, but I think I'm going to leave it at that. Um, before we go, I just want to say thank you for uh, your encouragement and your friendship. You've uh, you 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 love teasing me, and I know you do, <laughs> but do. Uh, but uh, you have been a good friend, and I appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. And. Uh, I am so looking forward to all that the Lord has in store for you and your ministry. You're just going to continue to be a great blessing. I know it. And uh, thanks for making some time to sit and talk with us today. Oh, yes. Now, we're going to have to have you back. And maybe we can get Karen on at the same time. Andrus for his time, uh, his testimony, and of course, uh, just being great, being a good friend. Um, I want to thank, of course, all of you who tune in every time, and those of you who maybe this is your first time listening in. I hope you make this uh, week come out every other week, and this is episode 20, so I want to let you, oh, well, yeah, I just told a lie on myself, didn't mean to. We're actually going to take a little bit of a break uh, to gear up for the next 10 episodes that are coming up, Uh, so the next episode will be out, give me just a second, I thought I'd have this down by now, but no, I don't, I just don't, don't. It will be... November the 6th. So the next episode, episode 21, will be November the 6th. So mark it down. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a great episode. I'm not going to tell you who the guest is. You're going to have to stay up on social media to find that out. So go follow, uh, find out all that's coming up with To Be Determined. You can go on, of course, Facebook. Uh, follow me and uh, follow the fan page. Follow uh, Twitter at, uh, Dev Scott C, at Dev Scott C. Uh, you can go to Devin Cunningham, Devin Scott Cunningham on Instagram. You can keep up with it all sorts of places. I want to also thank Kay Bursey for all of his help and guidance throughout the whole podcast endeavor. And of course, Julia Rankin, without her encouragement at the beginning, none of this would have gotten started. She she really just lit the fire and uh, made me want to get something done. So thank you, Julia. Uh, I want to thank Vito DiGiovanni and uh, music provided by Cole Beaver. I do appreciate Cole. He is an awesome musician, and I'm so glad that he's willing to allow me to showcase his talent like this. All right. I think that's it. Once again, October the 29th. Keep it in mind. Got the concert at the Nest. Hope to see everybody who's in the Indianapolis area there. And so I'd like to close the show with a song. Uh, not by me, but uh, a song that was mentioned a couple times during the podcast. It's a song by Mark Andrus. 
off of his first album, A Sound for God's House, Thankful for the Blood. Be blessed. Thanks, y'all. Keep thinking on the good things. Lay his life down.